She was told that because she got pregnant without being married, she wasn't good enough to be a mother, and she would be doing me a favor by giving me up. Had I known she was looking for me, I would have looked for her all the time that has passed, and I just wish I could have been in their life sooner. Danielle chose not to look for her birth family until her adoptive mother had passed. She was very sensitive about the subject, and she didn't want to upset her. She was devastated to find that when she figured out who her birth mother was, she had passed away several years before. Part that hurt her the most was that her birth mother had expressed to her family that, at one time, she had wanted to look for her. She feels very lucky that her birth mother told her family about her, and even prepared them that one day she may come looking for them. Danielle doesn't feel like she was fully prepared for the reunion, but she continues to work on the relationships with her birth family because she thinks they're great people and she's enjoying getting to know them and forming bonds with them. Here is my interview with Danielle. So were you adopted from birth and where were you adopted from? I pretty much was. I think I was a month when they got me and I believe it was a Catholic charity Okay. In Wisconsin. And did you grow up in Wisconsin? I did, Yes. And did you have any other siblings or any like close family members, cousins, anything that you grew up with in your adoptive family? No. By the time they tried to get another baby, my adoptive mom was 33 and she was told that that was too old. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Pretty old. No, <laughs> like, that's yeah. such old thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not even close to old anymore. No. <laughs> it's still very young. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So do you remember how you found out you were adopted or did you always know? They always told me. They were good about that. They always told me that I was adopted. So, yeah. What made you want to find your birth family and why was that an important time for you to find them? So I waited to find the bio family until my adoptive mom passed because she was very sensitive about that kind of thing. And I really kind of put off looking for them kind of spare her feelings she just was very sensitive about it when she passed about a year later I took ancestry DNA and then found them was it pretty easy to find them with the DNA testing yeah, yeah I matched up with one of my bio mom's children her oldest son oh, wow. and then I also matched up on the father's side with my uncle so I, I I found them both basically both sides did you have any information about your birth family growing up or was that just kind of a subject that was off the table? So there was one little sheet they gave me with like little like things like how tall they were, what color hair they had, what color eyes they had. And then it, it had like kind of medical history on the bio mom's side. She had cancer. So they wrote that someone in her family died from cancer, but it was very, very scarce. Like that's about it. And it turned out to mostly be untrue anyway. So when you yeah. did find your birth family, your mother was already deceased. Is that correct? Yes, unfortunately. That was the most disappointing part of the whole process was that she had passed already. Yeah. And how long had she been deceased when you found out who she was? So she passed in 2003. And I didn't go into reunion until about 2019, maybe 2018. So it was a long time. Oh, okay. So she was kind of young when she passed away then. Yeah. 43, I think, 44. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
So were you able to speak with anyone from her family or friends that were around during the time that you were given up for adoption? Yes. So she gave me the biggest gift. She told her family about me. And when she was dying, she told all of them she had three kids. She said, a girl might be reaching out to you. I just want to let you know that I gave this baby up for adoption. So it's such a gift to adoptees when the birth mother does that, because then you don't feel like you're exploding a family. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, when she they actually told, yeah. acknowledge yeah. you and yeah. you're not a secret. They're, they were kind of waiting for me to call. So it was a good conversation that I had with her oldest son. His name is Nick. So, okay. Yeah. And is he the one that did the DNA? Yes. And he was the one that kind of works on the family tree. Yeah. Is that why he did the DNA or was it kind of for his own purposes? I think both. Like he knew that there might be someone looking for him on his mom's side, but then he also did like the family tree of the dad's side as well. So he's just into that. So Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like she wasn't really embarrassed, maybe earlier, but do you know why she didn't try to reach out to you herself or was it just because she had kind of moved on? She did. She okay. had, she did try to find me according to her. So she had, she had three children and then her middle son, Greg told me that she, when he was in middle school, she thought about hiring a private eye to find me because this was before the internet. This was before <laughs> ancestry DNA. So you really did have to get like a private investigator involved if you wanted. It was a closed adoption. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a similar thing with my dad. It was through Catholic charities also. Yep. And so he yep. had to get a detective through them to track down yeah. his birth parents yeah it makes it unnecessarily hard and I feel really bad because had I known she was looking for me I would have looked for her way sooner and we could have like met yeah. <laughs> you know so it's a little heartbreaking yeah so have you met your half siblings from your mother I have they're fantastic I adore them all. She had three children. Nick was the oldest. Greg was the second. And then she had a daughter named Kristen. And they're all fantastic. They're very welcoming. Are they much younger than you? Not really. Nick is probably only three years younger than me, maybe four. So what was the reunion like? Did you guys all meet together at the same time? Or have you met separately? I met Kristen first because she wanted to feel more comfortable with me. So we met separately, just the two of us. And then the day after that, I met them all three together with all their families because they're married, they have kids. And I met their dad too, Carol's husband, or my biological mother's husband. So, yeah. Oh, that's nice. It was nice. They're all sweet and welcoming. And it's good to know when you meet your bio family that, you know, you come from nice people. (laughs) That's good to know. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's yeah. it's nice when they make you feel like you were a missing piece of their family and not an outsider, too. Yes. And she did that. She gave me that gift. Another thing she did was, and they didn't know this, but she got married to her husband on my birthday. Aw. So when I said my birthday is July 15th, they're like, that was her wedding anniversary. And I think that was maybe to commemorate the day or make it a happier day and a less sad day. I don't know. But... I feel like it's another gift. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. So yeah. have you also been in contact with anyone from your birth father's family? Yes. So my birth father married and has a daughter and um, they live in Los Angeles. And two years ago, my whole family went down to meet them, which was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. 
Yeah. That's really cool. So So do you think that you look like any of your half siblings or your dad or your mom? Or do you have any personality traits that you share with them? I think I look like almost a complete twin as as my bio mom. Like we look very similar. It's crazy. (laughs) But my personality, I think, goes to my bio dad. So he's a blues musician. Mm -hmm. And when I found out that he's a musician, it just made so much sense. I love music, have always loved music. And I wasn't really brought up in a creative musical family. So, you know, you have to wonder where that comes from, you know. So then I found out came from him. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Yeah. So how did you feel immediately after meeting your birth families? Was it just like a comforting, calming feeling? Doesn't sound like there was any kind of awkwardness involved. There's, oh, there's still awkwardness. There is. We kind of pushed past it, I think, because we're getting to know each other. And a lot of the disappointment for me was seeing that they're such good people and all the time that has passed. And I I just wish I could have been in their life sooner. I think it's painful. (laughs) You know, it's, there's regret there, longing, you know, but I am grateful that I did get to meet them for sure. Are you still in touch with them? How often do you speak to them at this point? We do, you know, like we'll text on the high holidays and the birthdays. I'm actually going to see Greg next week. He lives in Las Vegas and it's my daughter's fall break. So we're going to go to Vegas for a couple of days to, you know, just connect, get to know each other a little better. It's still in that awkward phase, but I like doing it. I, I, they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it is worth it to kind of push yourself mm-hmm. a little and yep. get out of that, that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. So do you think that the relationships with them have evolved or changed in any way since you met them? Yes. This is my kind of problem, I guess. But there was one Christmas when one of them didn't text me back, Merry Christmas. Hmm. (laughs) It, it, you know, made me feel rejected and it made me feel like I really wasn't part of the family. And adoptees, or at least I, put too much expectation, I think, on these relationships because they're not you know, there's no rule book on how to be in reunion. And it's it's hard, you know. So when I looked at that reaction, and it was a really strong reaction, then I had to go to therapy, because then I was like, okay, this is too much for me. You know, how do I get through this in a normal, healthy way, type of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you feel like hypersensitive, because you're so worried about how it's going to be. Yeah, or that you'll be rejected again. That's probably the worst. We don't want to be rejected again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how has your life changed now that you have these people in your life? Do you just feel like you have a, a more complete family and, and a more complete picture of who you are? I guess I kind of do because it's nice to see where I got, you know, just my physical looks from. But it's also nice to see like where my personality is coming from and my interests. I think it's evenly split between the paternal and the maternal side. So that was really fun to kind of discover. It's been overwhelming. But ultimately, it's worth it because you do get to know yourself better. There's more of an identity there, you know? Yeah, definitely. So you said your one brother's into genealogy and stuff. Was he able to show you like some of your extended family and great grandparents and stuff like that? Yeah, so he's been good with that. And then a cousin from the maternal side reached out to me too, because she saw that we matched on Ancestry DNA. We've been texting back and forth, and I've got a lot of information about the grandparents from her. She was really close to them. So that's been nice. Were all your grandparents deceased by the time you had found everybody? Yeah, they were. 
That's Both sides. Yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. Was there any great aunts or uncles or anybody that you could talk to? So I matched up with my bio dad's uncle on ancestry DNA. Kind of know about him, but that's it. Not that for extended family, that would be about it. Yeah. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about how young women back uh, when your mother had given you up for adoption and even past that were kind of coerced into giving their babies up. What do you think the reasons are for that? And do you think it's still that way? I think, geez, how can I say this without stepping on toes? (laughs) It was a Catholic charity. (laughs) So maybe that was part of their religion. But what happened in in my bio mother's case is that she was told that because she got pregnant without being married, she wasn't good enough to be a mother. And she would be doing me a favor by giving me up. And what I was told was that she kind of fought with that towards the end. Like she was trying to find a way to keep me, but her parents were like, no, if you want to keep that baby, you don't have a house. She went to an unwed mother's home. When Mm -hmm. after you give birth, you don't have a house to come back to. So, I mean, it really sounded like it was coerced, quite honestly. Yeah. And by her parents, not so much by, because I know some of the people working at the homes for the unwed mothers were also involved in that. Her doctor said that same thing. It was in my adoption papers. I'm sorry I interrupted, but yes, they do that. <laughs> no, that's that's totally fine. That's that's exactly what I was getting at. Yeah. So you would say like stronger religious beliefs back then. Uh, a lot a lot more people back then still yes. went to church, and they put a lot more emphasis on religion and not being married made people sinful or um, yes. you know, whatever you would say at the yes. times. And do you think they use tactics like shame, like you were doing something wrong or guilt, like that you couldn't give the child a good life as a single mother? Yes. They told her all of that, not just her parents, but also the doctors at that unwed mother home. I paid a lot of money to have my adoption papers opened, and I'm glad I did because in it suggested that her doctor pretty much said she would be doing me a favor giving me up because she wasn't married. But she was an adult. She was 19. So it wasn't like she was 13-year-old. You know what I mean? She was an adult. Yeah. So I don't know. Did she have like a career? You said she still lived at home, right? This is how she met Bio Dad. She was a nanny for his older sister's children. So she was working for my Bio Dad's sister. Oh. And she was the nanny, and they were around the same age, and they just hit it off. They started hanging out, and one thing led to another, you know? So did they stay together after that, or was it over before no. that? No, I think she did look to him for some help. But So he's a musician, and his band was going to go on tour. And... He really didn't want to skip that opportunity. And at 19, I, I can't say I blame him, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he took off and he went on tour. Probably not the nicest thing or the most supportive thing. But at 19, I can kind of understand. Yeah. Did she continue <laughs> to be a nanny after that? That would have to be really hard for her. I don't believe she was a nanny after that. Because she gave me up, she was allowed to move back home. I've been told that she met her husband, Dave, very shortly after that. And she got married and had her family. And she had a lovely family. And it seems like Dave was, like, it was a love match. They were a good team. So I'm glad she had that happiness in the end. Yeah, do you think that things have gotten better in reference to those pressures? Or that there are more resources and alternatives available for women today? I would hope so. I would really hope so. But 
I think with these Christian charities, sometimes, you, you know, they're making money off of this. <laughs> so yeah. they're going to keep using those tactics because that's going to make them money. But as far as society goes, obviously, if you're 19, unmarried, and you find yourself pregnant, I would believe you would have more options, just based on how society looks at it now. I mean, I hope that's the case. Yeah, I agree. I think yeah. it's a lot less of a stigma attached to yeah. it now. Yeah. And there are more social programs and stuff that would help yeah. out a single woman in that position. I think and society just doesn't view that as so awful now. Like, okay, so you got pregnant and you're unmarried, but we've moved forward as a society. You can still keep your baby. And I'm hoping that we're moving towards that direction. It feels like it's like what you said. There's less of a stigma. And do you think that that's definitely a better choice? Yes, I do. Because the closed adoptions make it so unnecessarily hard for the adoptees to get any kind of information. I mean, I had to pay money to get my adoption papers unsealed, and I could only do that with my bio dad. He had to say that he, they could be released. Because she was passed, we didn't need anything on that side, but I still needed to reach out to him, and it's very demeaning. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, crazy. I didn't think it would yeah. have to be that way. State of Wisconsin needs to get on board. I don't know if other states are not doing that anymore, but yeah, it was really demeaning. Luckily, he he was like, oh, of course I'll do that. He's really nice. BioDad is really encouraging and supportive. So, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of states have opened closed adoption records, but I, yeah. I really didn't think you'd have to go through all that. That's, I mean, what if he wasn't around to do that? Then what, you just can't have it at all? It's yours. Yes. When I was talking to her, she's like, well, I need to reach out to him. And if he, if he says we can release the information, we can. And I said, well, what if he says no? And he's like, then we can't release the information. And oh, it's so furious because somebody might find themselves in that position. Luckily, like he said, sure, release the information, but... Other people might not be so lucky. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's crazy. So what would you tell people who are entering the journey to find their birth families? Honestly, because I wish I had done this, maybe get a little bit of talk therapy first. Just a little bit of talk therapy first to give you the strength and the resilience to get through the ups and downs of the reunion because there's no guidebook on how to do a reunion right. And it requires a lot of patience from everyone. You know what I mean? And yeah, that's what I would say. Maybe just a little bit. I went into therapy after because it was very overwhelming. Maybe just go before. So just so you have some, some tools in your toolkit to get through, I guess, if it gets hard. And it does get hard. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what to expect. You never know, I mean, different personalities and different, yeah. even different situations in life, different places in life. Yeah. You just don't know how people are going to handle it from the other side. So, exactly. Like, you know how you feel, you know, you're open and welcoming, but you just don't know how they're going to be. So that that's definitely great advice. Yeah, yeah. I hope it helps. It's been quite the ride. Reunion can be, it's a roller coaster and there's yeah. no guidebook. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it hasn't been that long for you. So you never no. know how it's going to evolve and change over time too. Right. And it does evolve and change. So that's good. If you're willing to put the effort in, it does evolve and change. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you had a good outcome from your half siblings and from your birth father. Yeah, they're great people. 
really good people. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me interview you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it. you or someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. Next time, we'll talk to Marie, who has several connections to adoption and has actually written a memoir about it. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thanks for listening.